What's up, wrestling fans? Welcome to the main event of episode number 310, if I remember correctly, of this episode of the Smart Out Moment Smack Talk podcast. We are going to be doing a Call the Spot, the 13th edition of Call the Spot, actually. We've done quite a few of these over the years. And um, this one is a standardized kind of thing we do for pretty much every Survivor Series now, where we're going to be ranking all the members of all the teams for Survivor Series. There's four teams, so we're going to be actually doing kind of four editions of Call of the Spot on the card in one, or, well, technically two, because we're going to split this video up. Uh, <laughs> but that's what we're going to be doing today. If you don't know how that works, we will break down exactly how that works in a minute or so. But first things first, I need to talk about who is going to be talking on this edition. I, of course, am your host as always, Tony Mango, and joining me for this is Callum Wiggins. What's up, Callum? So, uh, which uh, series of Survivor was your favorite? Uh, let's see. Hmm. Four. Okay. <laughs> Always go with uh, four. I don't know why. Four and twelve uh, are my go-to numbers. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I never really watched it because it was um US series, but we used to have things like we have this uh, one called uh, uh I'm a celebrity, get me out of here, which is like just putting them all into a jungle. And trying to get them to survive for a little while. Just a load of celebrities. Well, you know what? Which one? Ah, uh, shit. I thought it was four. Outside of the fact that I always joke with four. But uh, <laughs> it might be number two or three, actually, and I'm thinking about it. Uh, I, I used to watch Survivor back in the day for a bunch of seasons. Maybe, like, up until, like, season six or something. But there was one where this dude accidentally put his hand inside of the fire. And that was, like, the most interesting that ever happened on that show. <laughs> Which is terrible to say, but whatever season that was, that was my favorite season. Might have been season like, two. <laughs> that makes me think of like that episode of Futurama where they, they have their brain sucked out and Leela puts her hand in the fire and goes, Oh, fire heart. <laughs> 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 well, speaking of that, we are talking about the women's elimination match for this uh, video. If you're watching this on YouTube, there will be two videos. If you're on iTunes or Stitcher, it's just going to be one edition and, you know, I'll uh, not split them up and stuff. But a little bit of warning ahead of time when it comes to this. WWE are jerks. They purposely did not say one person out of one of these four teams. So we don't have confirmation that this is exactly what their plan is. But based off of the roster, the fact that they fired two people from the Raw roster and <laughs> that uh, all signs seem to point to it, we can assume that Bailey is going to be that fifth person on Team Raw. And the only other really al uh, alternative is going to be Paige. So we're going to address that. Don't worry about that. Yeah. But uh, we kind of have like an easy way to address it, sort of. So, uh, yeah, <clears throat> you know, just kind of keep the, that in mind. The idea that WWE like deliberately sabotaged us. Yeah. This, th this one thing. So I would like to challenge the WWE at Survivor Series to a five-on-five -five elimination match. <laughs> so it'd be me, you, Kalen, uh, Mike, and I'd go way go because I think Drew's a bit too... Like, he he might... could be our mascot. Yeah, he could be our mascot. <laughs> <laughs> then we take on Kevin Dunn or something like that. I'm up for it. Kevin Dunn, Vince McMahon, uh, Barrios, Stephanie, and... Uh, Linda. <laughs> I, I think we'd have an easier time with Linda but I don't think she's really affiliated anymore <laughs> so the uh, what we're going to do is we're going to do both Raw and Smackdown's team on this uh, part and 
go released, jobber, mid-card, upper mid-card, and main event, because that's bottom to top. That's how the call to spot works. Is Essentially, it's kind of like a marry, fuck, kill. you got to put people into those spots, and you can't double up. You can't uh, ignore something. Like You can't say, like, oh, I would release five people, and I don't like any of them. Like You know, you, you got to pick. And what makes it difficult is when you don't like people and you have to put somebody in the main event, or when you like a lot of people and you got to release somebody or you got to put somebody as a jobber, that's what makes it uh, hard and kind of what makes it fun. But mm-hmm. uh, we're going to go like section by section as opposed to going raw and then SmackDown. It's a lot easier to kind of balance things out. And then we'll go back and we'll kind of read our lists and give you guys a point of view of how that all worked out and stuff like that. But I'm going to start things off with uh, something really, really quick. If Paige were to be that fifth person, she would be my released. And everybody else would just get bumped up on my card. It's understandable. Yeah, I kind of look at Paige as just not worth it. She's got some uh, some value to her in certain ways, but at the same time, she is just a problematic mess in a lot of other ways. And if I were uh, looking at this list, you know, Nia Jack, Sasha Banks, Asuka, Alicia Fox... And Paige, one of them stands out for sure as the person I would I would think would be uh, would be the best option to leave, and that's Paige. But mm-hmm. if Paige isn't on the list and it's Bailey, then suddenly things change up a little bit. And my pick for released at that point is Nia Jax for Raw. And it's not because I just always make fun of her and stuff because I, I like Nia Jax a lot more now than I used to, but. Bailey, Sasha Banks, Asuka, and Alicia Fox. I mean, the only other one that really stands a chance to be released in my book is Alicia Fox, and I like Alicia Fox more. I feel like if Nia Jax left, I wouldn't miss her. Uh, um, with Yeah, it makes sense. What's your uh, Raw released? Uh, controversially, my um, Raw released is Bailey. Hmm. Did not see I, that one coming. I... It's it's one of those situations where I think being released is almost a benefit to the person being released. Um, I can't remember the last good match that Bailey's had. Like the last match that I think, oh, okay, I'm gonna go and watch that again. It almost like she peaked too soon in NXT when she was the beloved babyface and having the great matches with Charlotte, Becky Lynch, Sasha Banks. Ever since then, she kind of plateaued. Maybe she stayed in NXT too long, and then when she was called up, they've done very little to help her character. And it's not not saying I'm putting all the blame on WWE's doorstep for Bailey. I think Bailey has also stayed in her comfort zone, which I don't really like to see. I like to see wrestlers if they are in a situation where things aren't exactly going their way to try something different or try and change things up. She's just stayed at what she does, and what she does, I think isn't enough at this point in time that maybe a hill t- maybe a hill turn would change things up but at that point if you're at the point where you're kind of clean to a hill turn to try and save you i think you you're kind of on the precipice already and i think the other four have more value in the different areas of being in wwe than bailey has at the moment even as a jobber so i would release her hmm yeah, you know, I can see the argument for that. 
I mean, I, I like Bailey in the ring more than some of the other women, and that's why I rank her up higher. But she is pretty stagnant. Yeah. I mean, Bailey at her best is better than a lot of the women on the list. But I just don't think she's been at her best for over a year now. Yeah. I think that a lot of things went sour when she won that title before WrestleMania. Yeah, I think they mistimed that. I know a lot of people were saying that, oh, it's it's fine to win the title on Raw, but it's it just didn't work out for her. They didn't build her up enough for it. And they did this weird thing when they brought her up of pushing her to the like, title scene very quickly and then cutting her away from it and then pushing her back into it. It was just, it was a bad way of handling her. Yeah. For the SmackDown side of things, we have Becky Lynch, Carmella, Charlotte Flair, Naomi, and Tamina. I think we'll agree on this one. Tamina. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I hate to say that about Tamina, though, because I want her to get a push, and I want her to eventually have a women's title reign. But, I mean, shit. Like, <laughs> out of this list, she is the least important one, and she is the one that, again, same with Nia Jax, if she went missing... I don't think anybody would care as much. You know, if you release Becky Lynch or you release uh, Charlotte or Carmella or whatever, it, people are going to go, wait a minute, why would you fire her? Or like, whatever. I think if Tamina went, everybody would go, ah, that's a shame. And then they'd be over it by 20 minutes, you know? I mean, like you, I'd like to see Tamina get a push, but unlike you, I'd like it to be off a cliff. <laughs> She's really, I mean, for somebody who's like been around as long as she has, I mean, she's already around about 40, I think. So she's already got the age factor against her. And then... Yeah, I think she is the being, oldest woman on the roster, including yeah. Mickey. Mm. And like being with WWE as long as she has been, I don't really see a huge amount of improvement from her in any sense of the imagination. Her, She's good in one role, and that's as the bodyguard to another like wrestler the actual star she's a diesel that never actually developed any charisma or ability on his own hmm. so i think she she's i mean she's not terrible she's not like completely untrained or completely unsafe in the ring but she lacks charisma she lacks mic skills <laughs> my skills my god her mic skills are terrible yeah. she is on my list as one of the worst of the year and she lacks credibility because she hasn't won a title and she's been with WWE since about 2010, 2011, and she hasn't even held a championship. She's barely even had any shots at the title, let alone like actually winning it. So I think the other four have a lot of potential like to hold titles going forward. And I think with Tamina, even though she could hold the championship, it would only be a one-time thing, and I don't think it would be particularly mem memorable. No, I mean, that would be more so uh, like a tenure type thing. Yeah. Like, you, you've been around for a long time. Here's your title reign to just prove that you're not a complete failure type of thing. Yeah, and I like my champions to be actually, like, worthy of the title, not just there, because you're essentially part of the furniture. <laughs> well, that moves us up to a slightly better uh, role, which is Jobber, and um, I'm going Alicia Fox and Carmella, and I mm -hmm. like both of them, so that's what sucks about it, but... When I compare them to the other three women on the Raw and SmackDown side of things, they kind of fall into this little void of being these, like, crazy, delusional, fun-to-watch-them-be-the-heel-that-gets-beaten-up type of role. 
And that's why, like, Alicia Fox definitely is not the best uh, in-ring performer compared to the other ones. I like her character a lot more, though. Um, So it's like her being nuts and then losing a match is more entertaining to me than, say, Sasha Banks just being Sasha Banks and winning a match. So I, I do see a lot of value there. And Carmella is doing great, I think. Yeah. But she is the weakest as far as in-ring potential. That's true. So that kind of hinders her for me. So those are the jobbers, but I like them both, and I really would like to see them both get a stronger push. But that's the nature of the game. You kind of have to put somebody there. Uh, For my jobbers, I have the same as you, Alicia Fox. Uh, same as you, I like her character. I think she's really ramped things up in the last couple of weeks as team captain for Raw. She's been very uh, entertaining. And she's been there for a while as well, So she do- and she has won titles and all one title. And I think she is very much very underrated, both in the ring and just as an overall personality. Uh, but for SmackDown, I went with Naomi. I've never made it a secret that I'm not a huge fan of Naomi. I think in the ring, she's subpar. She's very athletic, but actually like psychology wise and actually performing moves in a coherent fashion. I think she struggles. I think she's over predominantly just because of her entrance and it's a terrific entrance, but that's about it really. She's very uh, hit and miss on the microphone. Uh, She has a very loud personality, which isn't always a good thing. Yeah, that's true. Everything's uh, like kind of boisterous. Yeah. And I think her championship reigns were a tenure thing rather than her actually deserving it, which may be slightly harsh. I know people would disagree with me in that regards, and that's fine. Like, it's just my opinion, but I just don't have, I don't hold a lot of value in her. So I'd rather see her jobbing out. Like, she's had her moment, she's had a title, a couple of title runs, and now she can kind of fall down the order a little bit. I can see that argument, because I have her slightly higher up on the totem pole. I have her as my mid-carder, mm-hmm. and it's for kind of the same sort of reasons. It's like, she had her title reign, I'm glad she got it, but she can't take priority anymore. Yeah. And it's like, I think she should have had a title reign years ago, and it wouldn't have been like a, you know, part of the furniture type thing. She was somebody who I thought, like, she was potentially the standout person from that season of NXT that she was on. Oh, she definitely was. She was definitely the the most gifted in-ring performer. Well, he had AJ Lee on that one as well, but she actually didn't stand out at all on the actual NXT show. No, she came into her own so much later. Yeah. But I think Naomi actually peaked a lot sooner in her career, and I think she's, besides the having the big entrance and the slightly more garish attire now, I think she was better when she was in a kind of heel role that she was in as like team bad i think that was when she was more comfortable on the microphone and mm. had a bit more charisma about her but um i mean i'm not like upset that she won the title or anything along those lines so i think she still deserved it to an extent but you at least feel the glow a little bit <laughs> i can't escape the glow that's a bit <laughs> Yeah, so she's my mid-carder. Um, Bailey is my other mid-carder, and it's kind of the same way that I usually treat Sami Zayn. Like, fans like her, 
so beat her up. <laughs> that kind of a thing, you know what I mean? Like, Do fans like her anymore? Not as much, that's for sure. I mean, she got a huge reaction in um, the latest episode of Raw, but that's because it was in the UK, and the UK fans do still love her. Do you see that they were singing the uh, the Hey Bailey, but they were singing for Hey Becky instead, too? Yeah, I know, I guess they're uh, divided loyalties, almost. Now, it's like, I kind of think that they should be doing that for anybody that's kind of like that. Even though one won't go with the song as much, because at least Bailey and Baby are, like, very close. And Becky's like, all right, you're stretching it a little bit, but it's like, hey, yeah. hey Sasha. <laughs> it's not going to work out, right? Yeah. You can't really do it with, like, Tamina or something like that. It's only the ones that have the two-syllable. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, Tamina. Ooh. Ugh. Ooh. Yeah, then, then you start doing the oofing and then people think they're making fun of the snow and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so my mid-carders are Bailey and Naomi. Pretty simple. Who do you got? Uh, I have Nia Jax and Carmella. Uh, Nia Jax because uh, I, I do agree that she's weaker in ring than I would have hoped by this point. I think she's been on the Raw roster for over a year now, so she should have gotten better than she is i think she's still improving and i think she because just because of her her size her her the way that she stands out from the rest of the roster i think that's enough of a attraction factor to her that she deserves a higher spot than just a job aurora uh released and obviously she's related to the rock so she has a job for life essentially so i can't really <laughs> release <laughs> and then uh carmilla I think Carmella's been doing very well. I think Mike's skill has come a lot into it. She's very good on the microphone. Uh, gone a lot better, especially in the last few months since winning the Money in the Bank. I think she carries the Money in the Bank briefcase very well. Um, she's a strong heel. Uh, she's obviously like this character that will win the championship by uh, sneaking the victory or by cashing in her Money in the Bank briefcase. And she will never be taken too seriously as a credible threat to the title like in a one-on-one environment but I think being the underhanded heel that will take advantage of opportunities and uh, get get a few like sneaky title reigns here and there I think it works for her so I'd have her uh, in the mid-card position just someone that will occasionally take the championship but most of the time will be uh, beaten up by the baby faces Makes sense. So when we get to upper mid card and main event, I mean, we pretty much everybody knows at this point who we have left and stuff. So it's better to just sort of do them all in one shot. And let's go with uh, our team raw ones first. We've got, I have Oscar and Sasha Banks left and you've got Oscar and Sasha Banks left, right? Yes. So I would go upper mid card, Sasha and main event Oscar. I have completely agree with that. But it's very tough for me because I don't think Asuka's as good in the ring as everybody makes her out to be. I think, yeah, I think she, I think Sasha is actually better in the ring out of the two. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that is enough of a factor for me to push Asuka down. Um, it's a it's a presence thing. Yeah. And Sa- Sasha has been up and down too much, really. I mean, she's won the title four times, but she hasn't defended it once. Yeah, her title reigns in total are like, uh, what, like four weeks maximum, I think? 
Uh, probably yeah, probably about a month, two months at most. Um, and uh, even her run in NXT, even though people like say it was memorable and like very like well received, was also very short. So she doesn't hold on to the title. The belt's very long. She's definitely one of, if not the strongest wrestler in terms of just bell-to-bell stuff. Her selling is fantastic. She's obviously got a very good submission hold. Uh, very popular. I, yeah, she's very popular. She's definitely better as a heel than as a babyface. Yeah, but that's she for can, sure. But she can flow between the two of them and make it work either way. But it's just... Maybe it's just the fact that Asuka's new on Raw and her dominance in NXT is just so fresh in the mind. But she... And I don't know how to describe it. She's, Sasha Banks doesn't strike me as a draw. Asuka does. Somebody that could actually people would pay to see Asuka in like... Not maybe not a headliner show, but compete in a big show, whereas Sasha's not quite there. I think Sasha's one of those people that she... Has, oh, that that's a bad way to word it. I was gonna say outstate her welcome, but that's not true. Like no. she has banked on the I. Uh, I don't want to do something <laughs> pun. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, even my subconscious. Oh god, you're so funny. Uh, she's sort of built herself up on this idea of that she is important, and yeah. she's been resting on the laurels of it rather oh. than actually proving it time and time again. She she does like I think. Between the ropes, she does always try and put in 100% effort. I think it's between that that she can sometimes get a little bit stagnant. Mm-hmm. And her mic skills are not getting any better. No, she, especially as a baby face, it just doesn't feel like she has a lot of conviction with what she says. And there's also a part of it that kind of bugged me where, like, she seems a little entitled. I can I can agree with that. You know, like, she complains about, like, Alexa Bliss and... I can understand having at least a little bit of like jealousy when you're somebody who grew up and you loved wrestling and you've been wrestling for years longer than somebody like Alexa Bliss and stuff. But at the same time, if you're like working any job, you know, you could be a construction worker and you grow up your whole life loving tools and loving trucks and stuff. And some guy comes along and he's better at the job you just have to get better, you know? Like, that's the name of the game. Whoever is better at a job is better at a job. And the only way that you can prove that you're better than them is to prove that you're better than them, not to just complain and say, well, they don't deserve it because I am more dedicated. If anything, Alexa Bliss proves that she's a little bit more dedicated because she continues to improve in that regard. And for Sasha to be, like, all pissy about that, it that would rub me the wrong way if I was behind the scenes and i would probably put her in that lower spot just to kind of like teach her a lesson you know versus oscar oscar's kind of like she's where the momentum's going and even though there doesn't seem to be like a whole lot of backstage information about her and everything i haven't really heard any problems no i mean it's quite obvious that triple h is 100 percent behind her right in the backstage capacity i mean he's obviously behind a lot of nxt people but he was you can he kind of get double a sense, down on her a lot. Yeah, that if anyone ever bring even brings up the idea of Asuka losing a match, then he's probably just gonna just put his fist down and say, No, just pedigree him for a table or something just to get this <laughs> stuff. Um I mean Asuka might skills wise is obviously an issue with the language barrier. 
I don't think I think it's not too much of an issue because she only says things briefly and yeah. what she says is kind of fine. With Sasha Banks, it's almost there's a expectation that she needs to be able to cut like decent length promos. Yeah, because that is her first language, so she shouldn't be struggling yeah. with that. And Asuka, to her credit, she seems to have grasped uh, English a lot better than Nakamura and Atami. Yeah, she has done very well. And to be fair, all she has to really say is nobody is ready for Asuka. Yeah. And then the crowd just go mental about it. <laughs> so so just keep doing what works. And I think I think in time, as long as they don't completely fuck things up, she could be the 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 biggest name in women's wrestling. I mean she can't in in a sense she already is, but it's more of a potential that needs to be realised. Yeah. Like when I look at these two, I think which one's the Trish, which one's the leader, and Asuka strikes me as the Trish out of the two. That makes sense to me, yeah. And I I still I think that she's a little bit overrated, but given the way that Bailey's been, the way that Sasha's been Nia Jax and Alicia Fox or Paige or whatever. I mean, Asuka to me, it's hard to argue anybody other than Asuka being that main event spot. Mm-hmm. Now with SmackDown, we've got both Becky Lynch and Charlotte left. Yep. And I hate to admit it, but I'm putting Charlotte in my main event and Becky in my upper mid card. Again, I'm agreeing with that. I like Becky more. And I like her more in every role isn't that that's kind of the point really that's why she should be the upper mid carder a little bit yeah and it's like i i have to admit that a lot of it is just based off of perception and wwe has definitively i mean there's no argument put charlotte over becky lynch yes so by this point charlotte is the bigger star and it's harder for her to take that little step down and becky to move up and make it seem like it works, then for Becky to stay where she is and Charlotte to just be a notch above her, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's part of perception. I do agree with it that um, WWE definitely put more of a focus on establishing Charlotte as a top star. Um, and Becky's kind of the lovable underdog that will occasionally get the, the big win, but most of the times will just fall short the final hurdle. Um. But I think there's other aspects as well. I think both of them are, I don't know, on the microphone. They're, they're, they're hit and miss for sure, but I think they're both kind of underrated. I think Charlotte, when she does tone it down a little bit and speaks more like a human, as it's opposed to... I am your queen. Yeah. I hate that. Yeah, pretty much. I think that was a very good impression. <laughs> Everything's but, uh, just shouting without actually shouting. Yeah, I think in the next like year or two, she'll start to realise that she doesn't have to do that all the time and can be a little bit more understated but still get the same point across. God, I hope uh, so. And I think Becky is underrated just because of her accent. Yeah, she and... needs to stop saying up. <laughs> Oop. <laughs> yeah, and I think that that gets her like in an issue both behind the scenes and occasionally in front of the camera. But I think what she actually says and the way she says it has got a lot of like conviction and heart into it. In the ring, they're both very good. I think Charlotte is better than Becky in the ring. Yeah, I think she's got an edge over her. I mean, they're both like very good. They're both, again, working with the WWE's like, patented thing of all, all women have uh, submission finishes. 
which I think works. But um, and uh, but Charlotte has the like the moon salts and the flips that can have like this big high spot moment, whereas Becky's a little bit more just stay on the ground. What ultimately, it, what ultimately got me to pick these two for the two different sides was I looked at Sasha Banks versus Becky, Sasha Banks versus Charlotte, Asuka versus Becky, and Asuka versus Charlotte. And I said, what's the main event for WrestleMania if one of them had to be? Yeah. Asuka versus Charlotte. Yeah, that's the that's the money match they should be building towards at some point. Mm-hmm. It's, good, it's good they're both separate at the moment because it's something that should be built over a, a couple of years. Like, yeah, no, I mean, you know, a couple of years, but at least, a, at least a year. That's at least WrestleMania 2019, not this next one. Yeah, definitely. I mean, especially, it's likely that's probably going to be that four-horsewoman match. It's it's good to keep them separate. I mean, Daska can concentrate on the women's title, and Charlotte has her own thing to deal with as well, which is just as big, if not bigger. Mm-hmm. So, it's good to be able to keep them separate up until, like you say, WrestleMania 34 does sound like the ideal setting to finally have that match. Well, that'd be 35, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, dates are all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so to give you guys a rundown of our women's uh, groupings that we've got here, my Team Raw was either Paige or Nia Jax for released, and then bump everybody up in that kind of a regard if it's not Paige. Uh, Jobber, Alicia Fox, Bailey Midcard, Upper mid card, Sasha Banks, main event, Asuka. Yours was? Uh, my uh, release was Bailey, and I also say that if Paige was on the team instead of Bailey, then she would also be my release. Uh, Alicia Fox, my jobber, uh, Nia Jax, mid card, Sasha Banks, upper mid card, and Asuka, main event. So we have the same list, but you flip Bailey and Nia Jax, and that's it. Mm-hmm. For SmackDown, I, uh, bottom of the top goes Tamina, Carmella, Naomi, Becky, Charlotte, and yours is somewhat uh, similar, but a couple little changes. Yeah, my one is Tamina, Naomi, Carmella, Becky Lynch, Charlotte. So again, you flip Naomi and Carmella, and that's that's all. So we yeah, I think a, I was, I was a little... bit too similar. I think I'm going to swap Charlotte and Tamina. Just to, <laughs> <laughs> just to make it different. In fact, let's go main event page. Yeah. And released page. <laughs> And James Ellsworth main event. There we go. <laughs> Although, you know what? The way that they've got uh, this potential Charlotte versus Natalia match next week, Charlotte could be off Team SmackDown, and mm-hmm. Natalia can be put in there. So if that's the case, Fuck WWE. Becky Lynch moves up a little bit, because I don't think either of us are going to put Natalia as our main eventer over Becky, right? No, definitely not. She dropped towards my jobber, actually, pretty much. I'm pretty sure that she would drop to my uh, jobber too, and I'd end up bumping Carmella up to mid card. Yep. And Naomi becomes upper mid carder. Yeah, so don't so don't do that, WWE. Wait until the week afterwards, so we don't have to record re-record this or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and confirm that it's Bailey for fuck's sake. Don't do the page thing. That'll piss me off. Yeah. But that's. One down, we still have the men's Survivor Series elimination match coming up next. So, again, as I mentioned on iTunes and Stitcher, this is going to be just one thing. You won't have to do anything. But if this is on YouTube that you're checking this out, then click on that next video and we will see you there. Welcome back, everybody. We are continuing on our Call the Spot 
Number 13, we did the Women's Survivor Series Elimination Match members in the previous video, so go back and check that out if you haven't checked that out yet. That means that we are on the Men's Traditional Elimination Match competitors. And for Team Raw and Team SmackDown, we're going to do the same thing that we did for the other one. Uh, we're going to do both of them in this one shot in this video. Start from the bottom, go to the top, released, jobber, mid-card, upper mid-card, main event. As far as the people on the teams, if you aren't aware... Team Raw has Braun Strowman, Finn Balor, Jason Jordan, Kurt Angle, and Samoa Joe. Team SmackDown has Bobby Roode, John Cena, that kind of just came out of nowhere, Randy Orton, Shane McMahon, and Shinsuke Nakamura. So, we know for sure all the people that are on this list, unlike to having the guess about the Bailey Page type of situation. So that makes it a little bit easier. We don't have to kind of mess, mess around here. But I think that we're going to disagree in some regards. And we might start off with our disagreements on released because I've got somebody on SmackDown that I don't think that you're going to agree with. I think you're going to agree with Raw. Yeah. My, we Raw then? my Raw is Jason Jordan. Yes, I agree with that. That's something that I don't like because no, I, I, I like Jason Jordan. Jordan. Yeah, I've, he's got... It's it's kind of like an in-the-moment type thing. But like yeah. at the moment, he is so far below the other four people on that team that you can't justify, even though he does have potential, you can't justify not releasing him over the others. Yeah, the best thing that I always do when it comes to released is if somebody needs to get fired, who's the one that makes this the littlest splash? And mm -hmm. you can't take somebody like, for instance, I'm just going to spoil it, there's no reason why John Cena would be released on Team SmackDown. And for him to be released, say, now, makes less of a splash than it would have been in 2007. That would have been like, what? You're fucking kidding me? You take uh, released of, like, The Undertaker now, he's retired. It is basically a lateral move type of thing. And you release somebody like a James Ellsworth, nobody's really going to care. But when people are heading towards the top or they already are at the top, they need to stick around, kind of, unless you hate their guts, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you give me a list of, like, AJ Styles, uh, trying to think of, like, some people that would be, like, all, AJ Styles, Kevin Owens, Braun Strowman, Roman Reigns and Bray Wyatt. I'm releasing Bray Wyatt, you know, even though he's a kind of up there type of guy, you compare him to people that are all towards the top. Eventually somebody has to take it. Jason Jordan's not a guy towards the top right now. He's not even really at intercontinental title level. So unfortunately no. he has to kind of take it, you know, take the L. Yeah. And I, I think like the match itself, I mean, we'll obviously go into more detail when we do the predictions next week, but the match itself has a lot of potential to actually build him. Up. Yeah. A because, lot of potential. Because there is obviously a lot of speculation that he might be the one to turn heel and cost Team Raw and cost Kurt Angle his job. Or but, a potential uh, soul survivor. Well, I have, I mean, that's... I'd say that's unlikely, just due to the fact that the reaction it would likely get from the audience, but uh, it's, it's definitely not out of the realm of possibility. I'm going to put this out there before Raw starts, because... If they hint at it, then people will go, oh, you're only saying that because of that. There's a good chance he could be the sole survivor and that they know that that's going to get a boo. And yeah. that that becomes his heel turn. 
because he's <laughs> like, look, I fucking saved Raw and I am the savior of the masses type of thing. And my dad's mm-hmm. the leader of Raw and I saved it. The two of us are fucking, you know, like that kind of a thing that could happen. It definitely could. I mean, I feel, I mean, I, I don't know if you fully agree with it or not, but Survivor Series is going to make Jason Jordan in one way or another. I think this will be the thing that cat- that catapults him forward as opposed to keeps him where he is at the moment. I think there's a really good chance that that could happen, yeah. I think it's unlikely they can really... I mean, at worst, he stays where he is. He stays in the same position that he currently is. But I think there's so much potential for him to go forward in this. Like, maybe if we were to do in this, like doing this list a week afterwards, then yeah, he, he might, might change his Yeah, up a little bit. Yeah, but I think at the at the moment he just he lacks he lacks crowd support. He lacks a certain level of charisma. He's definitely talented in the ring, but not so much to the point that it uh, overestimates everybody else in the ring, like everyone else that's on his team. Uh, so yeah, he just is goes he just goes due to the fact that there's just better people on his team. I will say this though, my jobber came very close to being released instead of Jason Jordan. I would, I would agree with the same statement there as well. When it comes to released on SmackDown though, this is where I think we might disagree. I have Shane McMahon. You have Shane McMahon? Mm-hmm. Why why would you do Shane McMahon? This is kind of a cop out answer and Oh, he's not a wrestler. Is that that why? A little bit, yeah. He's not a wrestler, so if you can because I never actually specified that ever on uh, Call the Spot, that released means 100% gone from the company as opposed to released from their current like role. Because you could put people in backstage roles and stuff like that. It is mm-hmm. a cop-out if you do that, but even if it isn't, I think that we've spent so many years without Shane McMahon that if he was gone from the company again, I'd miss him, but I wouldn't miss him as much as I'd miss the other people. Like that's, you that, get rid of sense, like yeah. Bobby Roode, and I'm like, oh, they wasted all this opportunity. You get rid of Randy Orton, and I'm like, he, you know, future main eventer, uh, future main eventer, future, future main eventer, <laughs> twelve only time world champion. Break, yeah, only t- only now is he finally going to break <laughs> into the main. <laughs> well, somebody uh, pointed out earlier on uh, this mark on moment. They said, "Isn't it weird that Randy Orton is the youngest person on Team SmackDown?" And I'm like, "Holy shit! Like that's weird to think about. I would have thought that it would have been Nakamura <laughs> or Roode." Combined age of 201 years. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, Shane McMahon, if you do the, the in-ring competition card, he definitely is the one that's the least uh, important. And if you take him off the on-screen role, too, it sucks, because I like Shane McMahon being on there, but it wouldn't be the end of the world, kind of. Mm-hmm. It's definitely, like, a, a decent explanation. I got a feeling you're going to go John Cena. No. You'd be wrong with that. Hmm. Really? No. Damn. My release is Shinsuke Nakamura. Wow. Okay. I did not see that one coming. I, as somebody who watched, who started watching New Japan a few years ago, so I'm still pretty much a newbie, starting to like ingratiate myself into a little bit more into the culture and the understanding of the, the way things were. Um, to watch Shinsuke Nakamura now on WWE is just such a like a drop. It's like it's night and day almost, and I can't I can't fathom it. It well I can't adjust to it 
like somebody that was such a huge revered like megastar in japan is now just a guy on smackdown and that fall has been dramatic he's got his plus points are the entrance he's obviously still still (laughs) he's obviously still skilled in the ring to an extent but i think it's it's quite a, a damn damning thing that he's been with the company a year and a half though and i don't think he's exceeded past his first night in the company that's a good point he had his best match against Sami Zayn in his first match and ever since then it's been downhill he hasn't like even his, his feud with Samoa Joe was pretty good the stuff with Bobby Roode was okay ever since coming on Smackdown his feud with Dolph Ziggler was pretty poor his feud with Jinder Mahal was terrible mm, his feud with Baron Corbin went nowhere yeah and he's only had like like not saying half decent but good matches with John Cena and Randy Orton but that's about it on the episode of Smackdown that people won't go back and watch um he's just better off in New Japan it's not a sense of like I don't want to again it's not a case of like just being released for his own good but um I think he's resting on his laurels I think he's he signed with WWE as a means of protecting his body and earning more money rather than just stay in the hard-hitting style of Japan and as- essentially get overtaken by people like Okada and Naito and Tanahashi and people who are slightly younger and definitely have a lot more potential than he has going forward. It's just a case of I don't want him in WWE because I've seen in the last like few months or so how WWE is going to handle him and it's not good. It's definitely not the level that I would put him at. Hmm. definitely loads of people want to see the AJ Styles Nakamura match and obviously that is a big deal but beyond that point I can't really think of anybody else I want to see him have a match with maybe Lesnar like it's it's weird because all the matches I want to see him have are the big matches against the big people but they're not tantalizing enough for me to want him to stay ahead of everyone else I think the rest of Smackdown's team Smackdown's team is full of like really big names and I think as as much as it pains me to say he's the odd one out out of those ones that's a good argument I I did not see that one coming but that does make sense and for somebody who hasn't watched anything else from uh New Japan other than that one AJ Styles match that he had yeah I don't I don't really know too much about like him being lower than what he used to be and stuff but if that's the case then yeah i can see an argument for being well, disappointed in what they got from him but it was just the idea that like in new japan he's a he's a main event draw he's somebody that would sell out an entire arena on his own yeah and he just he just doesn't feel like that anymore maybe when he first came on smackdown if they would have pushed him a little bit more or put him in some more engaging feuds early on then maybe I could have seen it, but he's just been reduced to just being another member of the roster too quickly. It's just, it's, it's almost a case of like, I want him released because I'm so disappointed in the situation. Yeah. But, As opposed just, to like disliking him and wanting him to be fired. Yeah. I think he's, on. even even if I do think he's taken the foot off the gas a little bit, I still he's still an excellent wrestler and still like a hugely charismatic character. But it's just, it's just too much of a, a drop for me to appreciate anymore. Hmm. So this is what makes it hard, because if we try to justify releases in, like, those kind of ways, Jobber is just straight-up Jobber. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And 
I copped out a little bit on this one. Oh, you're copying out on all of these ones. Yeah, right? it's it's tough, but uh, Jobber to the Stars oh, comes to mind. And I got to go Kurt Angle and Randy Orton. Wow. Well, these are going to be really different at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Randy Orton, in my mind, even though he is the youngest, which is still surprising, is somebody who, I mean, he's a 12 or 13 time world champion already. Mm-hmm. He doesn't need any more world title reigns. And he is at a position in his career where he can lose to everybody who's coming up. Like he still hasn't had his feud with uh, Kevin Owens. And between the two, Kevin Owens needs to win it. He hasn't had a feud with Nakamura. Nakamura, I think, needs to win it more. He hasn't had a feud with Bobby Roode. Bobby Roode definitely needs to be Randy Orton. Baron Corbin, same thing. Randy Orton doesn't need to win any more feuds anymore. And it it sucks to have him as a jobber, but eh, that's, that's what's difficult. And Kurt Angle... He's kind of the same sort of thing, too. I don't really think there's many people for him to wrestle, and the way that he wrestled at TLC makes me think that he was very close to being my released, actually. And the only way I justified him being jobber over Jason Jordan being released and that kind of thing was if you release Kurt Angle, people are going to be pissed. If you release Jason Jordan, not necessarily if Kurt Angle still wrestles, but he jobs out to whoever he loses to, people will be pissed, but not as much as if they just got rid of him, you know? And there's not anybody really I can think of that Kurt Angle needs to beat ever anymore. If you put him against Kurt, uh, you put Kurt Angle against Triple H for like some control of Raw type of thing, I think Triple H needs to win it and Kurt Angle needs to stop being the GM. If it's not for the uh, control of Raw, Kurt Angle wins because you just you have to have the babyface win. But you put him against Rollins, give the win to Rollins. You give him uh, Reigns against Angle, Reigns wins. You give him Owens, Owens wins. Everybody wins over both of these two to me. So ultimately, it came down to like, who do I put for the mid card? Who do I put for the jobber? And I ended up giving it those two. It feels dirty. But it's it's a very good argument. It's definitely like I can I can completely understand the reasons for putting them both there. I'll admit that there it's kind of a cop out to say jobber to the stars though. If you have like Kurt Angle versus Triple H, oh he's not a jobber, he's fighting Triple H. Like uh, you we're, know, but it's hard to say that most of these people would be have been like ever present in the main event. So it's kind of hard to say that you're going to have these people losing to Heath Slater or something. Right. Like that. Yeah. You're not going to build up Kurt Angle as like his, uh, very few matches that he has. Well, this one's going to be against Kurt Hawkins. It's not going to happen. <laughs> Although that'd yeah. be funny if that's, uh, how Kurt Hawkins beats, like he ends his defeated streak. Yeah. Just beats Kurt Angle. And everybody's like, the fuck? I'm hoping he does that against like Seth Rollins or something. He just does it out of nowhere, just a roll up. I'd be, I'd be okay with that. You know what? Yeah. Why not? Just get some random ass win over like, like a Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose. People would go nuts if he beat Roman Reigns like that. Yeah. <laughs> Suddenly he'd be like the top babyface of the company. Yeah. So Look who do you got for your jobbers? Uh, totally not going to be Angle and Orton. <laughs> yeah, completely different. Uh. For SmackDown, I have Shane McMahon. I think uh, Shane... I, I like watching Shane's matches. Um, 
maybe like some people were a bit uh hit and miss with these ones but uh Kinda i like his punches yeah i mean his punches <laughs> are te- his punches are terrible but um his matches always feel big they always feel like a big deal and he's always going to do something completely insane or ludicrous in each one so i look forward to them and like you say with the Kurt Angle thing he should he never has to win any match i'm still going to enjoy watching them i'm still going to think oh what's going to happen in this uh, match what how tall of a structure is he going to fall off this time or something along those lines and uh he never has to win anything he just he still puts people over because he's such a larger than life personality and he's he still carries a lot of uh drawing power on his own uh for raw i've gone finn balor the new japan crowd are not going to be very happy with me and, yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> what they're, you mean they're not giving them 15 world titles apiece <laughs> Yeah, just sitting there with the Bullet Club T-shirt, just <laughs> taking taking a break from like browsing Squared Circle to come watch and <laughs> come listen to this. <laughs> I I I heard on this Maxwell podcast that they don't like the New Japan. <laughs> you so Everybody much better knows when was... that Prince David would be so much better. <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, I'm gonna just go even further. With it. I don't like Finn Balor, and I don't <laughs> think he's actually that good. Uh, he's not charismatic. Spoiler I mean, alert, he's my mid-carder for the same reasons that you're going to say. <laughs> yeah, he's not charismatic. He's very poor on the microphone, especially recently. Mm-hmm. Um, He's bland as a baby face. I don't think even, like, he's too popular among, I assume, teenage girls to uh, actually book as a, a heel. He is uh, the uh, winner of the men's sexiest superstars tournament. <laughs> yeah, but I'm pretty sure a lot of guys who are also wearing their Bullet Club t-shirts were voting on that as well. So. <laughs> Posting links on Squared Circle. <laughs> yeah, put it this way: they were only uh, they were only wearing their Bullet Club T-shirt when they were like looking at the pictures. Of him. Uh, but you've got uh, I, I just um, he's a cruiserweight. He's only 190 pounds, so he should be wrestling Enzo Amore every week instead of uh, people at the top of the card. I just think he's been a bit of a disappointment since he came up from NXT. I mean, he was pushed like almost immediately, and then he was unfortunately injured. But at the end of the day, since since he's come back from the injury, he's just been in very stagnant feuds or pretty much in no feud at all. I mean, the only feud I can think he's been in since like WrestleMania was is with Bray Wyatt, and that is one of the worst feuds of the year. And besides, and outside of that, he's had matches with like Elias and uh, Bo Dallas and people like that. It's just. Like, who cares, really? Like, if, if Balor was to just sit into the jobber spot, again, being almost like a jobber to the stars, but if he was to be defeated each week by some people that I actually cared about, like Braun Strowman or Samoa Joe or Roman Reigns, Dean Ambrose, Seth Rollins, I wouldn't bat an eyelid. Yeah, I, I have him in the mid-card for the same kind of reasons. He's a guy that I think is overrated in all terms. His character is not a character. He's a guy that wears face paint. He's gold yeah. dust without the gold dust character. Where the Usos, when they used to wear the face paint, they were the same exact Usos. They just happen to have face paint on. Mm-hmm. And he just has some extended face paint. It goes on his shoulders. and he He's, he's a marketing machine. He has the leather jackets and the face paint and that little mm-hmm. like uh, hood thing. So he's something that you could use to market to kids to buy their 
for like Halloween costumes or something along those lines. But beyond that, he's there's very little to shout about. Yeah, he's good in the ring in certain ways, but he is also not somebody who I think I've ever looked at as having the match of the year. No. And he he can put on a decent performance against some different people. And I also like I can't even tell you what his five moves of doom are. I know his coup de gras. I know the sling blade. He's got the uh, the uh, cannon drop kick into the corner, which sets up the the coup de gras. And, and then he's got the like nineteen six nineteen sixteen, I think it's called that suplex brain buster. I don't even remember that one. That's like his. That used to be his old finisher when he was in New Japan. When he used to be wrestling people that were smaller than him. Hmm. <laughs> I do think he's one of those guys, though, that like you give him the Intercontinental Title, I buy it. You put him on two five yeah. live. He's the one of the top stars there for sure. You put him against Brock Lesnar. What the fuck are you thinking? Mm. That makes no sense to me at all. And I know that some people want to see it. And I hope the people that are interested in it, they get as good of a match as that they're hoping for. But there is no comparison. Like, no, and it's not just his size either. It's just like, who's going to be the one that's the bigger star? It's Brock Lesnar. And if like, Le- if Le- if Lesnar beats Braun Strowman and Samoa Joe in under ten minutes, then he shouldn't be he shouldn't be spending less than five against yeah any more than five minutes against Finn Balor. And you put him against uh, AJ Styles and him against Finn Balor. I. I buy Styles putting up more of a fight than Balor, but but Finn Balor like beat AJ Styles at TLC, <laughs> <laughs> and then and then was squashed the night after against Kane. Oh, I still don't understand what that's about. But you give me uh, Kane versus Finn Balor in a grand scheme of things, Kane is so much better. Yeah, uh, but he's my mid Carter, and my other mid Carter, as far as the uh, SmackDown side of things goes, is Shinsuke Nakamura for a lot of the same reasons. I understand that people love him, but I don't quite get why everybody goes so crazy over him. And he is limited on the mic, but that's a language barrier thing. I can't blame him 100% for that. But that does limit him a lot. You can't really build a feud with Shinsuke Nakamura. No. You put him in the ring, he can put on a good match. You try to do a story with him, you end up getting this weird shit with Jinder Mahal, or you get the purely in the ring type of feud like you get with uh the Baron Corbin thing or somebody like Adolf Ziggler has to carry the entire thing and Nakamura just says one or two words and that's it and that gets bothersome after a while so put him in the mid card have him work his way up learn English a little bit better kind of establish more of a character I think it's something that's more like again indicative of the New Japan style is that New Japan he's likely to only have about I don't know just over half a dozen pay-per-view singles matches a year. Mm. And then the rest of the time, he, like the way the New Japan do it, the, the matches in between in little house shows they do, they're always tag team matches, essentially. All the big stars are always in tag team matches. So they don't even have to really build storylines, as it were. It just goes match to match. So that system work, seems to work for him, and it just isn't translating well. Yeah. But I'm still sticking with released. I'm not leaving him up. <laughs> <laughs> well, who you got for the other mid card spot? Uh, for, for Raw, both of them, actually, I think for Raw's mid card, I have Kurt Angle. I will admit, I'm slightly biased. He's my favorite wrestler of all time, and so I am gonna obviously I'm not gonna have ever have him be released from the company now that he's back there. 
Um, but obviously, I will admit to the fact that he's definitely not as good in the ring as he used to be. In as much as I try and like hope and pray that he's going to come back and be exactly the same he was in 2003 or whatever. Um, but uh, I think he can still go to an extent. I think you can still have a number of dream matches with him. I'm very excited to hopefully see a Kurt Angle versus Miz match because I think they've been building that up nicely and it's actually a a Miz feud with a general manager that can actually have a match to blow it off at the end. I think Angle could win a title again. Maybe not the world title, but I think he could hold an Intercontinental Championship again if he was to move on to, say, like the um, like an, an all-star appearance type deal as opposed to being on every week as the general manager just to be the like a special attraction star for the big pay-per-views hey if bret hart won the u.s title <laughs> yeah and he can still like at least throw german suplexes or put in the ankle lock and pe- like as soon as you put the ankle lock people would just go absolutely crazy so like if you can get that reaction by just doing one move then i think you still deserve to be in the mid card um, and for SmackDown, I've gone with Bobby Roode. It's kind of a timing issue at the moment again. I think he's got a lot of potential, but he's only just gotten onto the main roster. His stuff with Dolph Ziggler was, it got better, it definitely got a lot better, but it was still lukewarm. I think he definitely has world championship potential, but it's also the age thing. He's 40 years old already. So he's got a few years in WWE at most. So he'd probably only get one, maybe two title reigns. Um, but he, def- he definitely needs to be a heel when he's doing it as well as a babyface. I don't think he can really ascend past the mid card just because I think his promos as a babyface are forced and not very convincing. Whereas as a heel, he he just is in his element and he could definitely be a main event guy. Mm-hmm. But just based around, like, at this moment in time, I just don't buy him as the main eventer. So this is where things get a little bit weird, because we both have Samoa Joe and Braun Strowman on Raw, Mm -hmm. and we both have John Cena on SmackDown. Yes, but you have... I've got Bobby Roode, and you've got Randy Orton. Yes. So... I I think we should do uh, Raw first, why not? So... I almost had to flip a coin. Because these guys are so close. Like, Mm. I mean, Braun Strowman is probably my favorite act in the company today. And it's been like that for a while. Like, pretty much all of 2017. Braun Strowman's uh, just kicking ass. He is so much more fun than, like, anybody else. And that's people that I like, too. I mean, like, I've unapologetically been a big fan of Dolph Ziggler but he has been kind of a pain in the ass. I, I used to, to really... just put, I wanted to put Dolph Ziggler on one of these teams anyway, just so I could release him. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I am a big, big fan of Dean Ambrose in a lot of ways, but he has been pretty bland over the past year. I'm huge on some of the people on like the SmackDown side of things, uh, like, you know, there's a lot of different things uh, that are going around in the company, but Braun Strowman is just perpetually fun, Mm -hmm. but I have to give him the upper mid card and it sucks because I don't want him to not be the main event, but I looked between the two and I said, you know, if I were to be running a wrestling company and you said 
your five options for world champion are Kurt Angle, Jason Jordan, Finn Balor, Braun Strowman, or Samoa Joe. Who do I trust the most to actually deliver on the most consistent basis in all aspects? And it's Samoa Joe. He's better on the mic overall, even though I love Braun Strowman just being as simple as he is. You threw me in a garbage truck. <laughs> I think that Strowman, the fact that he's younger, is a huge upset. Uh, upset. Huge. Uh, what the hell is the word I was thinking there? I just oh, had so a total. It was a huge ups- It was a huge upset when Samoa Joe was born before. Braun I can't think of the word that I was thinking of. That is so retarded. Upside of my Upside. There you go. Uh, yeah. Huge upside to him. But Samoa Joe has the experience. He's better on the mic overall. He is somebody who's just as believable to win any match as Braun Strowman would be. And that just gives him the slightest, the absolute slightest edge. Edge would be the main eventer on this one. <laughs> uh... Either I agree, actually. I've gone with Braun Strowman as the up and big card, and uh, Samoa Joe as the main event. I'm going to try and do the analogy based thing here of like just previous wrestlers. This might be a like maybe even overegging, despite the fact that Braun Strowman has been so immensely fun. But Braun Strowman to me is the next coming of the Undertaker, and I think. He's definitely not as good in the ring at the moment as The Undertaker, but he's obviously he's still quite young and he still can develop and have like the perfect big man matches. I mean, he's already had unbelievable matches with The Big Show that were better than any matches I'd ever thought Big Show would have at this stage in his career. So he definitely has that in his locker. Um, but the thing about The Undertaker was that he never had to hold the title all the time. He was still an attraction without the championship. Whereas Samoa Joe is more, to me, like a Stone Cold Steve Austin. The kind of this loudmouth, tough guy. Somebody that could beat anybody on his day. And even if he wasn't on his day, he could still just beat that person up and leave them laying. And uh, But he's someone that you build the company around almost. Like, yeah. Braun Strowman is your big like attraction act that you can have these like wacky zany feuds with that really don't make any real logical sense but they're still fun because he's like this huge giant tearing through people like he he could have like a few world championship reigns scattered around them but Samoa Joe is someone that you give the title to sit for six months and just say okay run with it and face everybody beat everybody become like the top star whether you're a baby face or a heel and yeah, he's just, especially on the microphone, he's got a lot of character, a lot of charisma. He's so experienced. He's been everywhere and he's always had a huge amount of intensity and a huge amount of character. So he just strikes me as a, a complete a complete performer, just somebody that has every aspect you need as a world champion. Braun Strowman's your Psycho Sid, Samoa Joe's your Diesel, but better in the ring. Yeah, and... Bear on the mic and bear on the mic and just bear at everything really. Actually, I'll take Kevin Nash over uh, Samoa Joe for the mic. Uh, it, I think it depends really. I think Joe is a bit more like intense and he'll actually try and build like blood into a feud. Kevin Nash will just like laugh and say, "Hey, forget about it." <laughs> <laughs> 
they're, they're both charismatic in their own way. I still go with Joe, though. So with SmackDown, you've got Orton and Cena, which totally should be another WrestleMania main event, right? <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, I'm looking forward to WrestleMania 35 now. Get Asuka and Charlotte and then Randy Orton and John Cena. I'd have it a situation they're both fighting for the 18th world title. <laughs> oh, it could happen, you never know. Yeah. So you've got Rude and Cena. So. That, that could be the type of thing where it's like Orton wins like three more title reigns and then it's like they both have... Is Orton at 12 or is he at 13? He's at 13. He's, could you imagine 13, if like... Yeah. Could you imagine if they do, did something where Orton gets 17 before Cena does? <laughs> I, You know what though? As, as much as like it is like a joke, if they had 16 for Orton and 16 for Cena and a, uh, a vacated world title and it became these two are the two in the finals of a tournament who gets that 17th world title reign. I'd actually be really into it. <laughs> yeah. Be, that'd be really huge. And especially if that was like at WrestleMania. Yeah. Imagine, uh, how, I, many, imagine how many arcos and attitude adjustments they kick out. <laughs> oh my God. That would just be a straight up hour. <laughs> and I would want John Cena to win. Yeah. So, uh, but I, it, I went back and forth between these two, too, because I really, really like Bobby Roode, and there's a lot of upsides, not upsets. And I eventually had to give him upper mid-card, though, and it's mostly because he needs to turn heel. Yes. He is a guy that he should have been in WWE years ago. Oh, and 100%. at this point in his career, he should be a man eventer with one or two world titles. But he isn't. And at the moment, it's too much of a jump for him to go turn heel and win a world title on SmackDown than for him to win a mid-card title and then transition back to being a heel and boost his way back up. And it's sort of the thing where it's like, right now, I can't give a world title to Bobby Roode, but I can give one to John Cena. 2018, if you spend the next couple of months and you get that US title or the Intercontinental title, whichever one he ends up being on, you give that to Bobby Roode, you have him turn heel, you give him a like an uprising, and then eventually at the end, around this time of 2018, he should be a world champion. Mm -hmm. But John Cena's a legend. And yeah. he is just... He, he should always be the main eventer, essentially. If you get some other people in the mix, I can see an argument where you would see, like, if AJ Styles was on this list, too, that I would put maybe John Cena as the upper mid-carder and AJ Styles as the main eventer, just because he's fresher and more enjoyable in the ring and stuff like that. But John Cena's John Cena. He's just... You put him against Jinder Mahal, the match matters. You put him against The Undertaker, and people are going to go, wow, The Undertaker can lose this. He's John Cena. I don't think you really even need to explain too much more than that, really. Okay, so when actually making this list, the SmackDown men's team was the hardest one for me to decide on in like overall. I think there was a lot of really big stars that really should all be could all be main eventers in their own way. Maybe not Shane, but the rest could definitely be be argued as a main event star. But then it came down to deciding the top two. Uh, I ended up going with Cena as my upper mid-carder. 
which is just due to the fact that he's part-time. I know when he does come in, it's a huge deal, and he's a, obviously, like you say, a legendary star, 16-time world champion, soon to be 17-time at the very least. And when he's appearing at the big shows at Spyro Series, SummerSlam, WrestleMania, it's always a huge deal. He probably will win another Royal Rumble to fight for the world championship again. But it's just the fact that he's not there all the time. And he's not, he's never going to be again, just like as a full-time star. He's dividing his attentions now, as he should do, because he's definitely got enough, like, of a, a portfolio now that he can start branching out into Hollywood and to other ventures. Um, the reason I went with Randy Orton, which surprised even myself when I actually wrote it down, because... At the start of 2017, I absolutely hated Randy Orton because I was wondering, why is he winning the Royal Rumble? Why is he fighting for the championship? It doesn't make any sense. There are so many better options than him. And over the past year, I mean, it sounds weird because since then he had a really weird feud with Bray Wyatt that resulted in one of the worst matches of the year at WrestleMania. And then he went straight from that into the never-ending feud with Jinder Mahal. But... I started to appreciate the fact that Orton is just really good at what he does and he can turn it. And when he wants to, I know it's a case of like always when he wants to, he can just make like magic out of anything. Uh, that he is just a main event star. He's just somebody that inexplicably, whether I think that he's doing really well or he's been really stale or he's he seems to be very like frustrated in the ring or just not putting a lot of his attention in he always gets a huge reaction and i think it's almost all down to the rko yeah that's his, <laughs> that's his secret weapon for sure and that's but that's the thing the rko is more over than randy orton but the rko is also more over than john cena in my mind like that one move is just is something that has such a an aura attached to it such a like this huge swell of memes and other inf- like bits and pieces and just like the fact that it can be hit out of absolutely nowhere in such a variety of situations. It's the move. It's the move that everyone wants to see. That seemingly every wrestler. It's the new stunner. It's the e- move that everybody wants to get hit by and wants to sell in the best way possible. I think he has more world championship reigns left in him. I do agree with you when you said that he should be losing feuds with the likes of Kevin Kevin Owens. But I think those feuds should still be in the main event. They should still be for world championships. I think he's just too good. On on his best day, he's just as good, if not better. Maybe not so much in like the athleticism side of things or he doesn't do as many like big flips or anything like that. But in terms of like just psychology and pacing a match, there's very few that are as good as he is. And I think it's been that way for at least like half a decade maybe even longer so i i would just due to the i mean if they were both full-time i would definitely put senior ahead of orton but just because orton is still here for the long haul as it were as it were yeah then i just think that he has a bit more than a standing like when i think of who's the top star on smackdown i now think randy orton i don't think john cena I think AJ Styles. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean if I just I was on, yeah, if I just I was on this, then yeah, I, I, yeah. I, would, I would agree with that. But 
based on this list, I'd say those two at the top, baby faces and SmackDown. None and, of us think and, Mojo Rawley. No, no one ever <laughs> thinks about Mojo Rawley. Anyway. Hey, Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal winner. <laughs> yeah, least. I look forward to uh, like Shinsuke Nakamura winning that next year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Team SmackDown was hard on this one, though. Yeah, it was that definitely was the, the tough I, one. Yeah, I think it was the toughest one. I mean, they're all tough in their own ways, but I also like the fact that we have quite a lot of variety on this one compared to the women's ones where we're pretty much like very similar. These ones and, actually have uh, to give you guys a breakdown, my team SmackDown was from bottom to top, Shane McMahon, Randy Orton, Shinsuke Nakamura, Bobby Roode, John Cena. Um, my SmackDown one was uh, Shinsuke Nakamura, Shane McMahon, Bobby Roode, John Cena, Randy Orton. So we have no agreements whatsoever when it comes to that. We're going to have to fight over that one. Let, and, let the comment section decide which one was yeah. better. Team Raw was, for me, bottom to top, Jason Jordan, Kurt Angle, Finn Balor, Braun Strowman, Samoa Joe. And my one was uh, Jason Jordan, Finn Balor, Kurt Angle, Braun Strowman, Samoa Joe. A lot more uh, cohesion when it comes to that. Just You switch yeah. up uh, Balor and Angle, and that's it. So... That's it for our list. Uh, as just mentioned a minute ago, make sure that you leave your comments below on this one and the other one and tell us what your list would be for Raw and SmackDown on the women and the men. And whether you agree, you would disagree, you know, kind of chime in on your opinions about that kind of stuff like that and tell us why you picked the people like that because sometimes there can be a little cop-out answer or there could be a reason why or, hey, maybe you're the type of person that you're like, you know, you want to... I don't know, put main event Shinsuke Nakamura because you absolutely love his entrance and that's the most important thing to you. Or you want to fire uh, Carmella because you're jealous of Big Cass or something. I don't know. But <laughs> that is it for the Call of the Spot, everybody. Make sure that you hit that subscribe button if you want to be aware of the next thing that is going to be coming your way, which will be the hot tags. And then afterward, we're going to be doing, obviously, the predictions for both NXT TakeOver, War Games, and Survivor Series next week, and then the post-show for both of those on Saturday and Sunday night. The week after that is going to be, if I remember correctly, the mailbag, but it might be the week after that, actually, because we're talking uh, the week after Survivor Series is the whole Thanksgiving type of thing, so might not have a main event that week if I can't think of anything that would be easy to do. And if you have any suggestions, leave them in the comments below, but... Also, make sure to ring that bell and check off that you want notifications because when we do post new videos, whenever it is, that is how you will be aware of when those new videos come out. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at SmartOutMoment as well. Make sure to follow Callum on Facebook and Twitter, or not Facebook necessarily, but yeah, don't, at least don't on stop me on Facebook, please. <laughs> Looking at you, yeah. Wigmeister14? Yeah, at Wigmeister14 on Twitter. I just want to take like the opportunity while we're plugging to apologize to all people that are wearing Bullet Club t-shirts while listening to this uh, podcast. <laughs> not not so much for insulting New Japan people, but mainly for your life choices. So, <laughs> <laughs> but if you are as interested in you know, reading more as opposed reading more uh, wrestling talk as opposed to just listening to it, you can check out all the great articles on smallcapmoment.com because we have weekly articles going up every week. Funnily enough. This is the weekly articles. <laughs> and if you are aware, unaware of where they are on the website, they're under the website section called weeklies. <laughs> Funny that. 
I should just change it to monthlies just to piss people off. Like, this doesn't make any sense. Why are these monthlies? And why is Battle of the Brands different and has NXT and 205 Live instead? <laughs> just some random April Fools yeah. change everything up. Men's uh, Wrestling Weekly <laughs> instead of Women's Wrestling Weekly. <laughs> yeah, because men's wrestling doesn't get nearly enough coverage. <laughs> Not at all. It'd be like, all right, Gabby, you need to put down every men's match. <laughs> and it's like, oh my God, <laughs> it takes forever. But that's uh, it for the main event of episode 310. Everybody, thanks for listening to this. We will see you next time. This has been another Smart Out Moment, and we are being counted out. Ah!